Hello and welcome to Argue the Toss at GameIndustry.com. I'm Shella. And I'm Drew. And together we're arguing about the things that really matter in games and films and stuff. Indeed we are. And it is Season 5, Episode 10. Indeed it is. Hello, it's Shella here. Drew isn't with me. This is just a little extra message to introduce today's episode, which we recorded last week at Feral Vector. And it's recorded live, so um, there are some vox pops at the end. So wait until the very end, because we've got some people talking about this great event we were at. And that was recorded live, so there's some background noise. And it's not recorded in our usual way. I think it sounds great, but just in case you think it sounds weird, um, I thought I'd let you know. So without further ado, here is episode 10 of Argue the Toss. Hi, so we've got a special episode today. We are recording from a really cute, awesome event called Feral Vector. Indeed we've just we been running around in the woods. Yep. <laughs> uh, we've just done a LARP hosted by the marvel- marvellous Zolivier Nelson, who you might know from Hypnospace Outlaw, which kind of got released into the world and went pretty epic. Mm. So welcome to Argue the Toss. Thank you. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun to have you. So normally you live in the States. Yes, I've been all over the world, uh, not just for large purposes, but for life purposes. And I'm currently based in sunny El Paso, Texas, which has Tatooine dust storms and gorgeous scenery. <laughs> so you're living in a Blade Runner uh, <laughs> <laughs> universe at the moment. It was, it was weird. The... I was on my way home from uni, and I get this call from my mom, and she says, watch out for the dust. I said, what? (laughs) I stepped out of my classroom, and I feel little bullets hitting my skin, and I can't see, usually, from basically anywhere in the city, anywhere else, even outside the city, like, the the mountains, El Paso is like in a a semi-bowl, and it's got mountains all around it. It's a beautiful, picturesque, southwest environment. Um, you couldn't see the mountains anymore. Wow. There's dust, yeah. dust everywhere. Everybody sort of holding their wow. <laughs> their jackets against the wind. Like some sort of Sahara. And more brave than anyone was the Goths. <laughs> <laughs> full leather still. Right. Fully black sun blazing, <laughs> dust storm kicking up everything. Not even holding up anything to their faces. They just kept marching right along into oblivion. And that's... Why goths are the coolest. They really are, yeah. (laughs) They never let it down. (laughs) So um, today's episode stems from a conversation um, Zolivier and I had on Twitter. Um, So we're we're both black. This is radio, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) So yeah, it's basically about representation of dark skins in video games. So do you want to sort of intro what your tweet was about that we, that I jumped on? Yes, uh, I did a tweet that went surprisingly viral just about uh, Mortal Kombat 11. Before I, because El Paso doesn't, and Texas apparently doesn't do midnight launches, why would anyone do a midnight launch? They, <laughs> they gave it to us uh, three hours early, and so uh, the night before release, I picked up my copy of Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, with a full intention to write for it, write about it at as many sites as possible, so that I could make money dollars that I need to live. <laughs> uh, 
And what I was stunned by was I just... I, I, I'm familiar with the Mortal Kombat series. I played the original one on the Sega Genesis hardware. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, we're in the UK. You have to call it the Mega Drive here. Yeah? Mega Drive. <laughs> played it on the one and true Mega Drive. Uh, and I had played Mortal Kombat, a bit of Mortal Kombat X in preparation for Mortal Kombat 11. And the thing about NetherRealm's work, and I wrote about this specific thing for uh, Rock, Paper, Shotgun, but their storytelling and basically every aspect of their games has been radically changing over the past few years. Uh, Mm -hmm. From Mortal Kombat X to Injustice 2 to Mortal Kombat 11, there's been these massive... Like, that's within the space of one console generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mortal Kombat X was on uh, Xbox One Xbox, uh, and PS4 hardware. And within this space, it's been a quantum leap in capabilities and in uh, ambition mm-hmm. and in rendering technology. Uh, that has come with its problems, as seen in the NetherRealm crunch and so on, but... As far as the qualities of the games themselves, uh, what they accomplish on an artistic level, it is genuinely stunning. And one thing I noticed when I was playing Mortal Kombat X, aside from just clicking with the gameplay of Injustice 2 and Mortal Kombat 11 better, was how important lighting was. Mm. I've worked on a lot of different types of games. No Space Outlaw has no lighting. The lighting is your computer screen, so it's <laughs> no ludonarrative dissonance. Uh, but in the case in the case of three D games, especially um, being on the narrative side primarily and production stuff, I don't get the chance to really even think about lighting too much mm-hmm. and what that adds to a world and what. One of the quantum leaps made in terms of their graphical rendering, aside from making more photorealistic characters, mm-hmm. is how they lit their world, how they had their character portraits work on a character select screen. And from Mortal Kombat X to Injustice 2 to Mortal Kombat 11, um, I suddenly saw myself represented accurately mm. in a game for one of the first times. Because mm. uh, these weren't just black characters on screen, and we've had some brilliant ones. Yeah. But these were black characters that looked really good. Good. <laughs> suddenly you've got the reds and the blues and the ambient light ref- uh, reflecting on black skin the way that it... That, that, in a way that is ideal and not often seen. Yeah. Um... We, we uh, there's I think there there's an HBO show called Insecure, mm-hmm. uh, and they did a big article about uh, how to do black lighting, yeah. and there's a talk about moonlight. Yeah, and suddenly I'm seeing in this giant AAA tri- video game where Jax, the PTSD traumatized soldier who wants to reconnect, who wants to connect with his family, with himself again, mm-hmm. uh, t- can tear off someone's limb and punt their head <laughs> with it. As the da 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 baseball sound plays, <laughs> we've also got incredibly well rendered black skin uh, in a in a in a triple A video game in 2019, and mm. I'm let out uh, alongside several other things that Metal Kombat 11 does very well. 
but I was also have that uh, representation. It's almost like a representation backdraft where yeah. it's like, I'm really happy this exists. Yeah. And that's like, oh gosh, this hasn't existed for right. me for so long. You feel the, the absence of it all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that, um, that article that you mentioned, um, I read that as well about lighting and the history of lighting in cinema and how that's um, been predicated off how, how to make white skin look good and sort of negated, you know, sort of hasn't thought about how um, how to light black people well until you get a black-led project and then all of a sudden black people look beautiful. And it's the same in games. We've you have got that hangover somehow. We've adopted this uh, way of uh, just not thinking about it, basically. Um, I think it reflects the cinematic roots that we're actually yeah, yeah, trying to exactly. uh, emulate in a lot of ways. Yeah. We, we do the same techniques. Yeah. We're like, it's filmic. But then yeah. it's like, oh, film isn't, wasn't, isn't, and wasn't perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's an interesting thing that you, that you mentioned there uh, with the, with the discussion of light and its history. Uh, of course, there's stuff like written in those articles about how Kodak uh, mm-hmm. used to do to, to reflect white skin. But in games, particularly... One way that this isn't often seen or spoken about, aside from the games themselves, is in things like streaming setups. Mm-hmm. I wa- I would read tutorials and watch tutorials about how to do streaming setups and video for games. And for some reason, I always looked really washed out and wrong. Mm. And I was like... And it was only until later I was like, oh! It's because in... Even things outside of our games, yeah. we are calibrating for yeah. this universal that does not exist yeah and it's when you recognize that universal doesn't exist suddenly you can do really interesting artistic and community and um execution level things yeah yeah i think in character generation it's it's stark really i mean in mass effect i wanted to create a black femme shep and so I went through my character gen. The character gen in there is really great. You know, you're tinkering for like an hour or whatever it is. And I was like, yeah, she looks cool. It's good. And then you go, you sort of like pan out of, you know, the sort of minutiae of the shape of her eyes or, you know, the bridge of her nose or whatever. And then you see her in the lighting and you can't see. She looks either ghoulish or um, grey or um, you just can't see her properly or, so I ha- ended up having to lighten her skin, lighten her hair, make, give her green eyes. She ended up looking like Vanessa Williams. I mean, Vanessa Williams is beautiful, but I wanted a dark-skinned black, you know, captain to play as. So, yeah. You have a similar experience in Skyrim. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Skyrim's terrible for it. Yep. <laughs> Strange thing. The, like, character mods have not solved that. No. Because when they do, when you, they show like ENB, like here's how good Skyrim can look. Mm-hmm. You look at Red Guard or mm-hmm. people of color. Mm-hmm. It's suddenly like, nope, nope, yeah, has hasn't been fixed. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, the lighting. That was one of the things that really annoyed me about Skyrim is that yeah, the lighting for dark skin characters was just appalling, and yeah, you just ended up. Yeah, you have this ghoulish kind of... I don't know what it is. It's this weird look that's just like... Our skin doesn't look like that. (laughs) It has undertones that you're not even... 
getting at all. And then Dishonored, um, Dishonored 2, the black character in that, she also looked kind of, had this grey sort of pallor underneath the dark skin, which... I bought Death of the Outsider, but I didn't play it. Was that Mm. shifted in that game? I'm not sure. I haven't played the DLC, so, yeah. It was a standalone expansion about Billy Lurk, and I would hope in there that that would go better. Yeah. I mean, I actually saw... Someone was playing it on my Twitter timeline, and I saw the cover art for it, and it looked okay, but, yeah, that was just the cover art, so who knows? Um, Yeah. Well, if there's anything I've learned from games, you can judge a book by its cover. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what about, like, Drew, is it something you've thought about or noticed or... I mean, uh, I, I love character generators. I play yeah. a lot of games with character creators in them. And yeah, I do have this problem. I mean, I, I do make black characters. I don't always make black characters. Mm-hmm. I usually make white characters. But, like... I made a. I'm going to talk about Dark Souls again. Okay. But like that. <laughs> oh man, Dark Souls. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That like skin tones in that game are very like strange across the board. Like you can make something that will look completely different in the game, and to an extent it's supposed to, but then mm-hmm. in other parts it's not. So you so all of the white characters you make are just glowing white, mm-hmm. and all the black characters you make are kind of murky. invisible and murky. Yeah. yeah. And just it's an old game that doesn't have a great graphical engine. So yeah. That, uh, yeah. But even the games that supposedly do, like Skyrim, Mass Effect, yeah. you know, they looked great. Um, yeah. Um, but even, the, I mean, Skyrim looks beautiful. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, so, you know, why can't, it's just because they're not, the, you know, the, why do, do we think that it is? <laughs> I think part of it is the pursuit of greater, in the pursuit of greater rendering technology, mm. we're dealing with more issues that are, inherent to having that computing power Mm -hmm. so what i'd relate that to is if you look at older games that do have people of color you'll actually find um and even things like uh gears of war Mm -hmm. like previous console generation coltrane looks good Mm -hmm. uh he's a darker skinned character uh in this thing in this world that is both murky Mm -hmm. and beautiful and this thing that is supposed to be a beautiful, ruined, post-apocalyptic, or current apocalyptic yeah. situation. Well, Here comes the noughties when all games were murky <laughs> and brown and gray. <laughs> Even then, like, look at uh, games that represented char- that black characters in Pixels. Mm-hmm. They didn't deal with the problems of a lighting engine. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm surprised when I go back to those games and I go like, oh, this is, this is neat representation. Mm-hmm. But suddenly we get this greater computing power and mm-hmm. it's becomes a question of focus. Mm-hmm. Not so much depiction. Do mm-hmm. Is there a black character on screen, but how are they seen? Mm-hmm. And in the midst of doing your... Uh, in, in, in AAA especially, there are these things called um, soak tests. They leave a game running for however many hours to see what weird stuff happens. Uh, because that's like something that it comes up in console certification. And... That calibration happens across multiple levels of the game. That's part of the reason why games on bigger scales get so dang massive and strange and complex and buggy. That's uh, why I forgive. I heartily forgive Bethesda for that because, gosh, do they make complex games. Mm-hmm. But that calibration, it's just it, in that focus, in that thing, there isn't a... I don't mean to say it isn't a priority because mm-hmm. I have spoken to teams on which it was a priority and mm-hmm. stuff just happened. Mm-hmm. But 
in those calibrations, different skin tones may be a thing that doesn't come up. Yeah. In those calibrations, uh, hey, what about this black side character in one mission of the in one mission of the game? Mm-hmm. Are we going to think about that? Or are we going to think about this hero's journey for mm-hmm. Amnesiac Sad Dad? Yeah. Um, I like Amnesiac Sad Dad games, <laughs> but when I see that black character, I want to see someone who looks. Someone who has had the same care and attention placed into them by the developers uh, that the developers have attempted to put into all the other pieces of the game. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I mean, you always see like the the the, the shots of the the pre- previous shots of the game where they're showing off the technology, and they will have like a panel of oh, we've got this new subsurface scattering which makes skin tones look better. You never see a black character in that window. It's always <laughs> no. a black character. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The only times that black characters look good is in sports games. Mm. <laughs> so we know it can be done. Because yeah. you, those, um, you know, the sort of NBA games, they have the, the sweat droplets, yeah. which pick out really nicely yeah. on the black <laughs> players. I had to buy those games the... every year just to look at them. They yeah. So well yeah. yeah, because obviously black characters are all sort of sort of represented there, you know, over-represented yeah. in sports yeah. games, but not in sort of narrative, you know, games with a narrative where they can choose who you then not representing sports teams, which, so it can be done. <laughs> there is a matter of will behind it, I think. And um, I suppose partly who's on these teams, mm. um, you know, and what the blind spots are because those decisions are often made higher up and mm-hmm. I, and, and it's very important to say that I don't believe it comes from a place of malice at all no. it, it is a thing of perspective mm-hmm. but if you don't have like at the leadership position of mm-hmm. when you have lighting directors mm-hmm. art directors uh, sorry 2D art directors 3D mm-hmm. art directors like these mm-hmm. very segmented yeah director uh, positions that they have black people who work for them but mm-hmm. there's no one represented up there there just isn't a voice to bring that up yeah yeah as as a developer who is myself a um, comes from a minority background, the I have blind spots when it comes to representation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when it comes to representing myself, mm-hmm. yeah, um, absolutely. And it's one of the reasons why feedback and having other voices in the collaborative mm-hmm. creation process is so important. So, if people from minority backgrounds can have the same issues, I can't imagine how it would feel to be an empathetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, creator who isn't of color mm-hmm. to see this happening and after development gets super called out on it and this mm-hmm. is like i was thinking about lot check that week yeah. <laughs> wasn't wasn't thinking about black skin yeah 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 i don't know what the <laughs> oh i suppose it's nice to see games like uh valley of the gods thinking mm. about hair text you know it's sort of it's part of the same thing is uh, wasn't there recently that this week on Twitter somebody was showing off their hair engine? Um, the hair was like silky, <laughs> straight. Yeah, sort of. that, that was frostbite. That was dice yes, for Battlefield. That's, that's and right. Yeah. The interesting thing is, um, I'm very happy about that development mm-hmm. because if you did, you play Battlefield Five? No. They had a campaign in there called uh, I think it was Tire Mm-hmm. It was about the. French uh, troops from Africa mm-hmm. who or who were brought over to Europe to fight for a country they had never seen. Yeah. Um, 
and the black skin in there was fantastic. Wasn't it? Well, oh, that's good to know. Yeah, Frostbite Dice, they they had a character centered around mm. people of color, mm. and they put the work in to, to make them look good. And so when I saw that silky hair engine and it showed the frizz, I was like, when they apply that to curly hair, yeah. which is something that I that's... believe will happen, Okay, that's dang, that will look good. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the other thing in character creation is you can't get your hair. <laughs> you get, like, cornrows. You get the sort of disco afro, even oh, though gosh. you're in a far future sort of space scenario. <laughs> what, it's cornrows, afro, uh, the, the the high and tight cut? Yeah. Like the Mr. T cut? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, you always get... <laughs> you get locks. It's, the, it's, it's just from the 90s. Yeah, it it's is. Like, it's the... Fresh Prince of Bel Air cuts is yeah, what you right. get in the video yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's good to see Valley of the Gods sort of pushing black hair, natural black hair textures, and I think the, th- the things that indies do 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 does filter up because mm-hmm. people see that re- that response, you know, the positive to response to things that um, indies are doing. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I think. That and hair engines getting better. Hopefully it won't just be for flowing hair. <laughs> Three or four Tomb Raider games to try and get that right, haven't they? Like the, mm. Lara's hair's always got a new effects on it. Right, yeah, that was always the big thing. That yeah. was the big thing in Tomb Raider 2, wasn't it? Her ponytail yeah. moved. <laughs> and it was in the most recent games. It was... They... Hair is really difficult. Like, mm. they... they s- there would be this. There was this weird phenomenon in Rise of the Tomb Raider on PC where if you turn on hair effects, it lowered the performance, and it also didn't look as good. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, um, no offense to the engineers who worked on that, but yeah, yeah the, the the thing is, we're the current way we're building AAA games and games in general is very unsustainable because we are being torn in a thousand directions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as we get this technology available to us, I, I, I think, or at least I hope, that the cap then becomes, okay, yes, we can do everything, but what do we focus on? Mm-hmm. And, and in the process, um, we have curly locks as well as flowing locks. Mm-hmm. We have this uh, in the priorities set for development. Not only do we make smaller games, but in the games that we're making, the rendering technology that we're choosing, the decisions we're making on the art and lighting side much like what Mortal Kombat did accomplish there. It, mm-hmm. it, it does look at the full spectrum of what they're attempting to represent. Yeah. Because uh, on one hand, representation uh, in general is really good and really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, on a certain scale, it's especially at a AAA scale, in which everything was having so many hands on it, so much detail, when the omissions are glaring. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is where I would, I, I would bring this up, I'd say. We've got incredible things happening across the industry. Um, a deeper care and discussion of these things than ever. But it's in the midst of that. The outliers are what are always going to stand out. Mm-hmm. And hopefully over time, um, the outliers become less people of... Yeah, the outliers, the exceptions, the uh, glaring omissions are less people of dark skin. And more... I don't know... Uh, Less cyberpunk boobies. We could do without. Le- we, we could do with less of that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> As cyberpunk uh, 
2077, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is incoming. Yes. <laughs> With its plethora of boobs just in the trailer. So. Interesting thing. So the cyberpunk setting you know was made by a black guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 I was stunned by that and made yeah. me think... Mm-hmm. Okay, so CD Projekt Red working with this man, what what what's going to happen? And yeah. and I I do genuinely, mm-hmm. it's why I'm hopeful because mm. we do get these. It's almost it's hard to talk about knowing the crunch, mm-hmm. the, the 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 crippling debt that comes with like Mortal Kombat 11 making everything look as good as it did. Yeah, that was a really crunch heavy project. Mm. Um. As important as it was for me to feel seen and represented, um, it does kind of suck knowing that that comes with this delirious cost. And Mm. so if we cut back in games and otherwise, if we look at scope reduction, if we look at um, this absurd need to create the the most giant games we can at all moments and instead focus on um, reusable elements, smaller Mm. titles, things Mm -hmm. that can represent what they do have really, really well... I'm hopeful that yeah, the omissions are less are less prominent on the representation front and more prominent in other areas. We'll never be perfect in in uh, all aspects of our production, but getting to a place where there isn't one segment of the population yeah. that is noticeably deferred mm-hmm. in favor of this other standard. Yeah. That will be a giant move. Yeah, it would. Yeah, and I think it's good to celebrate when games do get it right. Um, because, yeah, I suppose the stick doesn't always... <laughs> I mean, it's necessary because, I mean, it's been, like, decades. <laughs> We're still waiting, so... But, yeah, it's good to celebrate those moments when it's like, yeah, this this game, this team has made me feel represented and that's really positive. And because, like, money talks, right? <laughs> they know that people are gonna... If people buy their game because they feel represented, then if that's the motivation they need to do it, then... Have you played any games? And on the... the... The aspect of representation, what I would ask you to is, if you played any games recently that seem to have this attention to detail, this care put into this uh, just now spoken about element. Mm. I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. The Walking Dead series, Mm. which is uh, kind of... Lays lauded for its representation of people of colour. Well, yeah, I mean, I did my Black Panther talk last year, and I was disappointed with you know the the opening scene of a black man in the back of Mm -hmm. a police car. Um, So even though that character is you know sort of lauded as a positive representation and that's what i'd heard and i came to the game late i only played it or did i play it this year last year started playing walking dead and so when i actually got to play it i was like oh (laughs) 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 but this is the usual representation of a black man he's like murdered somebody and as a it's a sort of crime of passion so which is you know obviously a a, a trope thrown at black men that they're sort of uh, sexual, you know, sexual predators and can't control their emotions. And yeah, so I was disappointed in that. But there are, a, I mean, yeah, it does represent other black characters. 
in more, I suppose, more positive, but not entirely successful, I'd say. And, very, and as far as the rendering, at least, it is very stylized, mm-hmm. it's very lighting heavy, mm-hmm. um, in, in favor of, yeah, speaking about shifting focus, like, in, in as opposed to pushing polygons, like, mm-hmm. in The Walking Dead, clearly they do not have the budget of mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat 11, yeah. even though yeah. the budget was quite high still. Mm-hmm. Um, but they make Lee work in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. He's a natural part of his environment as opposed yeah. to a ghoul yeah. or a washed-out monster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in that respect, again, attention was paid to that, and, yeah. uh, and I genuinely appreciate how their stylized approach and their priorities did allow them to, in Telltale Games, have black characters that looked really good for your zone. Because the thing is, if you put in the work early, yeah. like... Lucius Fox and uh, his daughter in the the Telltale Batman games look really good. Oh, really? Yeah. Play those. They look pretty dang good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lucius is again voiced by Dave Fenoy from the. I hope I'm saying that name right from uh, The Walking Dead, and I mean it was part of their rendering tech, and now yeah, they can just continue to make games. Yeah, with black characters that look good, (laughs) characters of color. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose Nadine Ross looked good, mm-hmm. and Chloe Fraser, but obviously she's fairly light-skinned, yeah. but still, I mean, um, she still looked good, her hair was great, her hair texture was really good. I was happy to Fantastic see Fantastic hair. Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, yeah. When she's beating the holy hell out of Nathan Drake and her hair is bouncing yeah. suddenly. Yeah, ah. so good. Yeah, I was so happy. I was just like, yes! <laughs> I've never seen my hair in a video game. It was great. Although I don't know how she kept that curl definition in those steamy jungles. But there we go. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Have you seen a Um I mean, not a lot recently. I, I was thinking about when we were talking about The Walking Dead, how it's a lot easier to, um, to uh, get skin tone right in games which have like a kind of cell shaded or, or yeah. comic book uh, yeah. uh, art style because I've been playing Heaven's Vault which also does that really okay, well. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah and it's, yeah. like I don't have anything more meaningful to say on that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And Virginia. Virginia is oh, one yeah, I Virginia. always... Mm. Um, but it's, you know, it's unusual. It has two black female leads. Um, but obviously, again, that's really flat, sort of stylized. But here's the thing, it fails the Bechdel test because they never talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still a great game. I played that again recently. I love that game. <laughs> one of those ones which you can just set aside an afternoon and just blow yeah, through it. Yeah, I was like working on something on, on my game and I was like, oh, I need to think about how Virginia did this really good thing. And um, yeah, I was looking at their sort of... Um, editing techniques and things and how they use the the jump cut um so i just ended up playing the whole thing again <laughs> yeah, why, why wouldn't you yeah exactly it was a great game one thing i love about virginia and it's one thing that comes with representing people visually very well is how it does tie into some common concerns of the black community as well mm-hmm. which i was surprised to see represented mm-hmm. like the 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 not too heavy of a spoiler, but one of the in the ending sequence again. This isn't too much of a spoiler. <laughs> in the ending sequence, there is a portion in which um, some fears are addressed of like 
success meaning selling out. And that's yes. a huge thing in the black It is. Yeah, it was so great. The, the storytelling in that game is fantastic in terms of representation. Yeah. yeah. And so when that that when that lighting technology and that rendering technology and the narrative come hand in hand yeah. and you see that that dual level mm-hmm. uh, care it it lands for all players. Yeah. Not just so, people of color, but yeah. for the people of color who haven't seen themselves represented. Yeah. I mean, Shella's playtime in Virginia speaks for itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um I guess that wraps up the conversation, but is there so tell people where they can find you, what you're up to, what's coming next, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm at Rit Nelson on Twitter, W R I T Nelson. That's the best way to find the things I do, whether they are absurd or <laughs> seriously absurd. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting developments in store uh, and the game development front. Hypnospace Outlaw is on Steam now. Uh, critically and commercially, one of the biggest games of 2019, which is really wow. I know. Uh, You're like famous now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I do absurd LARPs around the world, and I'll do it for your event. And uh, game development wise, one of the next things I'm working on with a uh, black uh, lead is uh, Can Androids Pray? It was shown at the EGX Res Left Field Collection. Uh, it was shown in Berlin. It was shown at the V&A in Dundee. Excellent. And a game about angry femme robot mechs at the end of the world and God. And that will be coming out up here soon, among other things. Rit Nelson mm. is the best way to follow all of that news. Can mm. Android's Prey is brilliant. I loved it. So yeah. glad that. Yeah, I played it at Guild. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, great music. Everything ties together really nicely. It's just like a really neat little experience. Loved it. My co-creators, Priscilla Snow and Natalie Clayton. Priscilla Snow did the music. Fantastic music. Mm, it was uh, really great. Natalie Clayton did the uh, development and like art and stuff. Just mm, It looks really nice. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant work on yeah. all fronts. I'm very yeah. excited for people to see that. Yeah. Cool. I can also, from experience, highly recommend your laps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do we want to give a little shout-out to Feral Vector and, like, what Please. we're doing here? Yeah, so I wrote a column about it last year. Um, a, it's a crazy little games festival nestled in a wooded valley in Yorkshire, which is in the north of England. So try and sum up Feral Vector. What does Feral Vector mean to you? Yesterday, when I saw that you were at Feral Vector, we had a conversation in which I said that I had come back from, uh, that I was planning to do the Boys Are Back in Town LARP, that I was, we were trying to find a time for this podcast, and I said, okay, we have to do it sometime between me doing the Tom Selleck LARP and being a judge in Ghost Court. And that idea that that is a conversation you can have about yeah. Tom Selleck, LARP, Ghost Court. Um, I was on a hyper panel today where I just made goat screaming noises <coughs> in response to industry questions. Uh, Feral Vector is an artsy games event in which it is, in which there is no pretension. It is people relaxing in the English countryside, enjoying each other's company, and reveling in the absurdity of games and creativity i love it yeah me too and it's the first one i've attended and it's wonderful and welcoming and you should come next time it happens whoever you are yes. as long as you have some interest in games 
yeah. or, or just interactive fun in fun general. Stuff. Yeah, it reminds the games industry how to play, like why we do this. Yeah. And like this is my first time meeting Drew. Drew's great. Follow <laughs> Drew. That's also true. <laughs> so I think that's it. Thank you so much for yeah. giving up some feral vector time. It is precious stuff. Yeah. Well, you could say it drew us together. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, King my. of the puns. We forgot to say. Yeah. If you're going to follow his Twitter, you're going to have to prepare for some puns. Yeah. Some yeah. really long garden path puns. Serious punish. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Great. Until next time, Drew. Cheerio. So now do we talk about how much we hate each other? Feral Vector is the best holiday I've ever had. Yeah, um, I've been seeing a lot of my friends, which has been great. And also... Yeah, it's so inclusive. It's, yeah, so welcoming. Fantastic. Um, that, that wrestling match is probably the best thing I've seen at any game con I've ever been to. I don't think anything could possibly top it. I feel like we've reached the peak there. Do you want to give me a little quote about what you love about Pearl Vector? What's uh, it all about? I don't know, I just like the whole thing. <laughs>